0: Welcome to the ASTS Podcast, featuring Vern Jones and Juan Garza. And now, here's the ASTS Podcast. Welcome to the ASTS Podcast. I'm Juan Garza, Vice President of ASTS. A common question for employers involves establishing a testing program in the workplace. I'm joined today by Vern Jones, Founder and President of ASTS. Vern, in your experience, why do most employers establish testing programs in the workplace? Actually, there are several reasons why an employer uh, may decide to establish a um, workplace testing program. I think the majority of employers at this point uh, that are doing testing are driven by one of three factors. One, obviously the federal regulations. The Department of Transportation, the Department of Defense have all established mandatory testing regulations and mandatory programs, and they impact uh, millions of employers across the United States. I think safety issues are another primary reason why an employer would call us and say, I I think I have a problem. And often they'll even cite a catastrophic event that happened in their workplace that caused them to uh, initiate a testing program. And then the last thing is many states now have actually initiated the drug-free workplace uh, laws that actually allow the employer to have a reduced workers' compensation premium if they have a complying program. And even states that don't have these programs, uh, many of the employers at this point are realizing that if they approach their workers' comp carrier, they will actually get a a reduction. How does an employer get started? It's interesting to me to uh, talk to employers across the United States, and some of them will actually mention to me that um, they have a testing program, but they don't think it's effective. Basically, their program that they've established simply began with uh, them sending down prospective employees to an occupational clinic and doing a pre-employment test. And then all of a sudden, later, they're saying, I think we still have an issue with drug tests in our workplace. There's a misunderstanding about the value of our pre-employment test. Any drug test, regardless of the specimen that we use, and we use a lot of different specimens. We use urine, which most employers use. Uh, Oral fluid is about very, very rapidly um, uh, being accepted in the workplace. Uh, Hair testing is, which most companies are very familiar with, but we also have companies that test with sweat or, or fingernails. But regardless of the specimen, the biggest value that you can receive from a test is predicated on how much prior notice that the employee or prospective employee has that a test is going to occur. If you give an employee as little as 24 hours, notice that this test is going to happen, the chance of you getting a valid test result is minimal. Simply by abstaining from using an employee, most drugs are detectable in the urine for about 32 to 48 hours at most. Even with the other specimens, there are ways that you can avoid by uh, substituting. If I can bring in someone else's specimen, that's pretty uh, commonly done. But the more common method, really, of avoidance are are twofold. One is um, adulteration. You can adulterate any specimen. Adulteration is simply using a chemical to destroy the specimen. You can do that with hair testing. There are very effective shampoos. You can destroy the specimen with urine specimen uh, very easily. And dilution is the last factor. Dilution is primarily an issue with urine testing. And that's just drinking a lot of water. So it's very important if you're going to have an effective testing program that really does create the safe issues that you're concerned with when you set it up, that we make certain that we do testing when there is no prior notification. The other issue that we have if you're going to be testing current employees is the issue of a policy. It's one thing to test, and it's one thing to get this information, but it's really important that we have information that we can use to potentially discipline someone Um, or even uh, terminate their employment. So a written policy is critical. And in this policy, we have things that we need to address, such as when are we going to test? Are we just going to do pre-employment? Reasonable cause. Reasonable cause is done with nearly every employer in the United States. This is when I have reason to believe that one of my employees may be under the influence. An employer needs to have that right to test that individual, and we get that authority or right typically by writing an effective policy. Post-accident testing is required, especially with programs that are federally mandated or with the drug-free workplace incentives that are instituted in the states. So if we're doing a post-accident testing program, we have to make certain that we define which accidents in the workplace are going to require a test for that individual. Random testing is the basis of all the federally mandated programs because that's the one instance of testing where we know that we're establishing standards in the workplace. We're letting the employee know that when you walk into work, we expect you to be fit for duty at that point. And that's typically done by random testing. With random, you never know if or when you're going to be tested. So there is never a safe haven or safe time to use drugs at that point. Other policy issues that we get concerned about are the penalties for the violation? Are you always going to terminate? Very few of our employers that we work with typically will terminate at the very first positive. A positive drug test may very well mean that your employee has simply used their spouse's medication. That's typically called familial use. There's an easier term for that. It's called illegal drug use. But is that something you really want to terminate a long-term employee? You want to go through the orientation process and and the entire training process again. Are you going to offer any opportunities for a return to duty? And if you do, what are the conditions? We need to make sure we protect ourselves because with any positive test, literally what that information gives us is legal evidence of illegal drug use. So we have to make certain that we make some protections to actually um, mitigate some of our potential litigation. What about payment for services? Everyone assumes that you're going to pay for every drug test. I could argue that there are many drug tests in the workplace where the employers are not paying for them. Uh, And we need to discuss that and determine who is actually going to pay for services. And lastly, which specimen are we going to use? We talked about the specimens before. There's some very compelling reasons to use any one of those specimens in a given situation. We need to evaluate the culture of that company. We need to find the appropriate specimen and make sure that 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 is available for the testing process. Thanks, Vern. Um, You mentioned several specimen options, and we'll be discussing these options in detail in our next podcast. This brings us to our conclusion of this episode of the ASTS podcast. For more information, visit us on our website at (laughs) astscorp.com. This has been the ASTS Podcast. For more information, visit our website at astscorp.com.